Hey y'all, it's Whitley and you're tuned in to another Wondering Whitley session. This is Car Chronicles. I'm driving home, so if you hear, you know, just things in the background or me driving, that's because I am. But tonight I'm thinking about what you resist persist. And what got me thinking about this is because tonight I'm leaving teaching one of my university courses. And... I gave the students at the end an option, like this is scheduled to be a, a in-person course and it's a three hour, three hours we're supposed to be in that class and I used the whole time. So we just got out and towards the end, it started a conversation and kind of the uproar because I asked the students, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, we're gonna take a vote and I just want to offer this option. If you all would like this class fully asynchronous, and maybe we did live Zooms for your presentation, or if we did it live when you came here, would that be an option that you like? And some students was like, ooh, I would love to be asynchronous rather than sitting in here for three hours. You had some students like, no, I'd rather be in here just because I need to be in here. Um, But I had an interesting question that I've gotten before. And one of the girls said, she said, so what would be the benefit either way? And I said, well, what do you mean? Can you get more specific with your question? And she said, I mean, what? And I could see her frustration rising, like she not liking the idea of being online because a lot of students wanted to be online. And so I was like, okay, we'll bookmark this and talk about this next week. And she was just like, had her face turned up and she was like, so, I mean, if we're, if the weeks after the fourth week, you know, are just going to be group presentations, does that mean like you're not going to be lecturing us? And I said, well, your your peers will be doing the lectures that day. And she was like, so that, I mean, well, what would be the benefit either way? Like, are we just going to be teaching ourselves? And again, I've gotten that question before um, in one of my past courses, not this course specifically, which I've taught the same way for like three semesters, but um with another course I've taught in the past and really the complaint came like after these two girls had got like a bad grade on their final and they went and complained to the chair and he looked at my syllabus he also knows how I structure my class so he basically told them like hey that's up to her discretion she's in her rights as a professor here to structure it how she wants you know she's not doing anything that's out of bounds her syllabus aligns with what you said you know so whatever decision needs to be made it's whatever she say so I hope that y'all can come to an agreement (laughs) so you know but I've I've had that question before of like are we teaching ourselves and I'll and I'll I'll say this if you've been to a university I teach an appreciation course which if you've ever done classes for a university you know they have core classes like a, a for that university core curriculum like you got to take a writing class you got to take another math class you got to take a reading class you sometimes they make you take poli sci well they also make you take like get humanities or culture credits or something in the arts and so they have these classes like appreciation courses which are huge lecture courses so things like dance appreciation music appreciation 
music appreciation, art appreciation. Um, when I was in school, I took all of those, but I also took like a, a sex ed class, which was so good. And it's like 100, 200 people in the class, but those type of classes, because everybody needs them to get a credit, they're usually gonna be these huge lecture classes. Well, I started teaching this class spring of 2020, right when the pandemic hit. And we had probably like two live classes and then we went fully online and I had to pivot because I'm like, whoa, I was so planning on the activities that I had to make it interesting. Like I thrive off of in person like that, you know, anything online that's I felt intimidated, but I had no choice. And so I took a lot of time to structure that class to where it's still interesting on the line. And the first time I experimented with us not meeting at all. The second time around in the last two times I taught it, we had an online component where we still had live Zooms. And, you know, that's our one meeting time. And we only had live Zooms for like an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes rather than being in class for a whole three hours like the course was scheduled. And then they would have a week to do any work that they needed to do. But the way that I structured the class is I teach my pedagogy, which pedagogy means how something is taught or presented. It's my method to the madness, basically. So most teachers in the educational system teach with a banking system, and I didn't make up that term, a banking system. Who created that? I think it's Frederick, but you know, when you go to school for education, they teach you all of these educational philosophies and so one education philosopher he talks about a banking system and a banking system means that the teacher is always the master and the students are just like open minds that need whatever you got because you're the expert whereas there were educators that came later on during time who were talking about like Dewey, the whole child, or talking about, hey, kids need to actually explore or students need to take part in their learning in order for what they're learning to stick. They need to have more autonomy. They need to do more project-based work. And that's how I teach. I teach to where the students, I'm teaching them how to do research. I'm teaching them how to work collaboratively I'm teaching them and creating an environment to where when they present, they get up and they present the research they had. Now, with a dance appreciation course, I'm not expecting for you to leave there and know the history of all dance forms. And if I structured the class like that, because I took a class like that, I would be sleep every class. So the way that I structure it is I bring in dance from movies. This Today we did dance in the music video era. I do dance in social media. I do dance in theater Broadway. I cover dance uh, in commercials. I, I cover dance. There are a lot of different groups. I think I do dance in education, competition dance, street dance, and battle dance. I do dance in the underground, like ballroom dance. And so these past two years, students have really gotten into that. And I've seen it thrive fully online. So, of course, I wanted to offer this component. 
but I'm telling this basically because the student's question had me in resistance like that's so crazy that she don't see the benefits of you know you doing the work and me not being the master teacher it doesn't mean that I'm not teaching y'all because it took a lot of thought for me to create this syllabus it took a lot of intentionality to create this rubric to make sure everybody is contributing it took a lot of thought to understand how to structure these modules because I have to model it for the first three weeks you know it took a lot of thought for me to show y'all how I want you to fully present in this project and be able to discern that you put new work and new information and valid information and just didn't do a Wikipedia search like that took a lot to structure and to create those parameters now it'd be one thing if I just gave you something you can tell that I'm not thinking about it but I'm not telling her this but this is what I'm defending in my mind like how could she think I'm not teaching just because I don't get up there and I'm not the one giving the lecture every class but in the in the educational system so many students are used to that and they feel like if their peers are teaching them anything or their peers are doing the research, they're not learning. When if you really think about it, how much have you learned from your peers that your teacher maybe didn't say? Or how you had a critique from your teacher, like I wish they would have presented this, or I wish they would have added this, or I wish they would have been more flexible here as you became an adult and realized what you did and didn't get from school, if you ever stop and think about it. I think about these things because I am in education, so these are things I reflect on in my own education and it was those moments in my education where I had breakthroughs where I was forced to critically think I wasn't forced to just memorize or take on information and then given a quiz to regurgitate it was when I actually had to explore the information for myself I had to give feedback I had to go research it myself and the, the research helped when I was genuinely interested so the, the sad part is I didn't get that type of education until I was in grad school in New York. And that's how they structured it. And it's so crazy because a lot of my peers, when you're in grad school, you can be 20 in a class with, you know, people who are in their late 30s, 40s, like people who have took a long break from school or people who have just graduated. And I think it was only two of us that came straight from undergrad so many of my peers have been out of school, so they're used to that banking system as well. So they were in heavy resistance of how grad school is structured, which is, is very intentionally structured, but you, and when you're in class, your peers are, are presenting. You, the, the professor gets up and they give you the structure, they give you the model, but then that second half of the course, like every week, people are presenting that's not the professor and that professor is just giving feedback because at the end they want you to have such well-rounded research or thoughts about your research to where you're not just depending on somebody else to give you information because that's not how the real world works and I was talking to a colleague about this last semester who uh who those two girls actually went to go talk to my class about too and I was like, you know, and that's when I reflected on my grad school experience where I had students who were making those same uh, complaints. Like, well, hey, you know, such and such, I feel like she didn't teach us this, teach us that. 
And I would sit there like, huh, I can see why they said that. But to me, I enjoyed grad school so much because it was the first time where I got to research something that the teacher didn't tell me to research, where she didn't put no parameters on it or give me a list of people to go read. Like, I felt like she gave me what I needed. It was one thing to write a literature review. She taught us how to do it. She explained it. She showed us examples but I still didn't get it. So you know what it made me go do because I wanted to do well. I went to the library and I researched research on literature review and I found this one article that broke it down in a way that I can understand. That my teacher did explain, but she explained it in a way that maybe she learned literature review. It didn't mean that she didn't teach me, but she, she taught it and she's in an older generation. So she taught it in a way that she's taught it for years. And I don't think she was even being inflexible. She taught it in a way that made sense, like it made sense. But in the way that I learned, I had to go still do some extra research if I wanted to do it well for my paper. But so many of my peers were in resistance to even how that was uh, panning out, you know, and, and that was a constant thing. So. I was reflecting on that with a colleague last semester when I first heard a complaint like that. Like, I feel like we're teaching ourselves. And again, I was in heavy resistance to students saying that. But to hear that from one student, this is a class of 100, we're in person. It made me think again. I was walking to the car and I was like, huh. And I said, okay, instead of being of resistance of this, because what I resist will persist. What I, what I try to deny, and I don't want to try to talk them into either way, because the thing is, I'm not trying to persuade them either way. I love teaching. I thrive off personal interaction being live, while I also know that because I'm in education, because I'm also in the real world outside of college, and even being that I've studied dance for a long time, I've studied it in school, there ain't nobody at my school right now in my full-time job that can advise me on doing my job better. Nobody at my immediate school. Not because they're not competent in education, but because they're not competent in my content. And so even the way that they learned education years ago, like we had a PD the first week before students came back and they were talking about, we're starting this new thing of giving kids agency and all the elective teachers looking like that's stuff that we do naturally give students choices but this was a new thing to them like they were presenting it like it was new news and i'm not downgrading what they were doing but i was like wow like you'll be surprised how many people who are even professional in their environment like you do what you do naturally and i'm passionate about education so i still go to conferences i research I take what I do very seriously, so I take student feedback seriously. I don't take it all to heart because I feel horrible about my teaching if I took every comment or every criticism to heart, but I do listen. And I was like, okay, instead of being in resistance, how can I get more curious about where this resistance is coming from? And how can I respond to this in a way that's not just me giving a lecture, unless that needs to be this response, but in the intentional way I create the environment or what I present 
so that I can explain in some way, either through practical experience or through a module or through something to where they can understand the gap I'm trying to fill when if you always in education and the teacher is the only master and you're only regurgitating information, how that limits you in the real world. There are so many people who got brains who have a thousand, you know, thousand thoughts every single day who do not think for themselves who see a Facebook post, an Instagram post, and take that to heart, who when you ask them something just general and ask their opinion, they're regurgitating a post or a clickbait they didn't read or something somebody else then told them. And that's like 90% of the population. And that's because we didn't all went through the modern education system unless you went to a, you know, a very advanced school, some private schools, or some, or had at least one teacher that really challenged you to you taking some type of responsibility in your education, or you went to like a project-based school where y'all were doing a lot of research because there's a lot of high school structure like that. And it's interesting because I had a student come up at the end. She said, I get what you're trying to do because I'm a first-year college student, and my high school was structured in a way that you're structuring this class. I said, tell me more. She said, we were very project-based. She said, the students in our classes, our teachers taught. They gave us the structure. They gave us what they wanted. Each week, they walked us through what they, what they wanted from us, but we were doing a lot of the work. And she was like, and then we had opportunities each week to be the teacher because when you teach it, you, you learn it more. And I was like, I see, I know I'm not tripping in. These kids are in a whole nother generation now that are coming through college. They're in a whole nother generation. I may think I'm young, but these kids are coming from a whole nother gen. They were, they was born in the nine, nine or two thousands or above, you know, like they were born in 2000. So I was like, okay, I know I'm not tripping, but there are students who come from other generations or who always who have their who went to traditional education like I did who were in in resistance to this way that I'm trying to present and I think I don't take for granted that part of my job is helping them be successful because the reason I had a dream about teaching in higher ed and I don't tell this story often but I had a vision for myself of teaching at higher ed at the actual university I'm teaching at because when I was a student, I used to say to myself, man, I wish we had younger teachers who were like in process. And this was maybe because I was a dance major. And what I meant, I didn't mean that they had to be young in age. I think that's just the language I used back then. But when I was in school, I just felt like all of my teachers were from the same dance background. Many of them were from the same uh, generation. Uh, many of them were from the same ethnicity. And so they looked and approached dance in a certain way. And the, the students who were minorities, we felt that. Because we couldn't see ourselves not only in a teacher, but just in the curriculum as a whole. It was hard to relate. And a lot of universities sometimes can be that way in any class. Like I took a music appreciation class when I was in undergrad. 
and they only go over the Baroque era, the classical era, the Romantic era, all like symphonic and, you know, classical music, which is fine, but I'm like, this university is one of the top diverse universities. Like, I can look around this class of 250 of us and see about 10 cultures in here and all of their music because I've always been diverse and the music I listen to has contributed greatly to American history that's not important to present in a class like this so they can see themselves in the curriculum or is it not academic enough is it not sophisticated enough and so I approach I approach education in a way of like there is more than one way for things in life, for education. Even this, you know, pandemic has shown me, you know, how to be flexible. There are things that I'm so grateful that we're keeping in education because of what happened with the pandemic. Like, there are meetings that now that used to, we would have to go to a different school or I would have to drive to the district office to have a PD after school now I can go home and zoom that PE from PD from my bed because now everybody knows okay this is a possibility that we're going to keep unless we have like a movement PD where everybody has to be there like this is something that has been advantageous for us that created more flexibility that we didn't see before this period and so because of the success I experienced from my classes having to be online that I never expected nor wanted, nor could have envisioned being online, and I had to pivot, I was like, this was actually, this was actually beneficial. And a lot of students, I got a lot of great feedback last semester. You know, and the students work, they always had to overcome, you know, how to work with their group. But, you know, that's just with life, trying to coordinate. You can you can see that in your own, at your own jobs. If you have a job where you got to co- collaborate or work with a team, or if you're building your own business and you got to build a team, like these are life skills that when you're just sitting in the class and I'm just depositing information for you to regurgitate, I'm not interested in that that type of pedagogy. But I also want to be mindful of who's sitting in front of me. So that question, I was like, okay, I don't want to resist that question and be so headstrong about the way that I want to do it. And I lose students, not because they're not interested in the class, but because they're in resistance with how I'm presenting it. Now, you can't save them all, but to me, that's a problem worth being curious about. And so that's what made me get on this podcast today. Um, Not to just talk through my problems, (laughs) but if you see in your life, is there something that you're being resistant to that you may feel like you're having to defend or you may be resisting a new way things are being done and you don't like it. So you just, you know, you want there to be a new way or if you have a new way and it's valid, have you tried to really speak up in a authentic way or in a way that's helpful rather than just offering complaints because what I tried to get out of that student when I asked her she didn't have any real solutions she just had her concerns 
but her concerns comes from her experience of the way a professor in a class in education should work, which I totally validate. So me as an educator, since I can identify that, then I'm going to be the one, okay, well, how can I meet this, not just re- resistance in my opinion, but with something that will help, you know, bridge the gap for both of us. And is there is there something that I'm missing? Is there something here from this question that'll help me be able to expand my teaching abilities in the way that I present myself in my class? And is there something that I'm missing from this generation that's important? So those are questions that I'm asking myself because I don't wanna be in resistance because resistance only causes more headaches for me. And I know that those complaints will persist. I know that, you know, one one person who got a large complaint, and if y'all don't know anything about energy, I follow energy, but it can be a class of 100. And one person who feels some type of way, and they really adamant about it, like they got a lot of energy about it. Sometimes that can dominate the people who were at first like, yes, like, this is a great idea. And I'm like, you know, I want to meet you where you are. You know, and again, I'm not thinking I can save them all. But to me, that is a legitimate concern. And it makes me curious about my own teaching practice. It makes me curious about, okay, is that a legitimate concern that I should be paying attention to? Even if it's coming from one student out of 100. Maybe she's speaking for about 20 or 30 who just afraid to say it, you know? So, you know, I, so I, I want to be mindful of that. And right now I'm talking about this in my career, but I've, I've been in resistance to things, you know, when it came to education, like I said, when the pandemic first started, I was almost like, shoot, it's about to be the end of the year because we went on spring break at the university and in, in uh, public schools, and then we didn't come back. And I was almost like, look, I'm just about to post this final. And I was like, no, they didn't pay for this class. Like, at least give them three, four more weeks. But just make it, you know, because everybody going through it, just make it kind of simple. And that's where I started creating these modules and bookmarks, things that I would have never thought of just being in front of classes because I rely on my strength of just speaking and being super animated but being having to present behind a computer made me get more strategic and even like the the supplements I use as far as you know post or anything like that and it's interesting because I teach PE too and I'm just now really thinking about this and this week, I've been doing warm-ups. I've just been having all of my classes learn warm-ups. So all of my classes have been coming in doing the same thing. Like, we're focused on the warm-up. What is a warm-up? And we haven't done the written component yet. That's coming. That's coming next week. I just wanted to get them used to movement this this first week of just moving. I wanted to get them used to before I start saying, okay, we're not going to dress out. And that's what they don't know. We're not going to dress out on Tuesdays and Thursdays for PE. We're only going to do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They don't know that yet, but I didn't want to tell them that because I want them to get used to always bring your clothes. I want them to get used to that. But a student asked me today, and she was being playful about it because uh, she had me last year for actual dance. And she was like, Miss Green, we're going to do these workouts every day. I'm tired. And I was like, yes, this is physical education. 
and another student, her friend jumped in. She was like, I mean, are we going to actually do like physical education stuff? And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like a workout is part of physical education. They was like, well, like games, because they have in their mind what PE looks like. But I'm teaching PE from a dance room. I had to pivot too. like I wasn't expecting to teach PE. I signed up at this school to teach dance and they asked me two days before class started hey like they took PE and health away from seventh grade in the district so now we're going to have a lot of eighth graders for the next two two or three years who really need PE and with one coach like we gonna need them like can you do it and I was like to me at first I didn't like it because I was like okay that's two periods sixth grade don't get the pick so you know, I keep those students all year and I have a great group of sixth graders, but like they have to do all electives. So my sixth graders, I get to keep all year, but they don't pick to be in my class. So you get what you get. But my seventh grade classes, they get the pick. And then eighth grade, if I wasn't teaching health or PE, they would have gotten the pick too. And that would have been my advanced class. So literally I'm only teaching two classes where students actually pick to be in my class. So I was disappointed in that at first, but then I was like, man, I've always said I wanted to be the best at my practice in focusing on physical education, like conditioning. I didn't got into Pilates, like I do work out. I know the benefits of lifting weights and I got into that later in my dance career. Like, you know, I know the benefits of cross training. And then when it comes to health, like physical, mental health, like this could benefit my practice. This could make me grow. And so I started looking at it like that instead of being in resistance to what I thought me being a dance teacher was supposed to look like. Now, if they would have asked me to teach history and stuff, like I'd have been like, no, you got the wrong one. (laughs) But I was in resistance to that. But now that I've allowed myself to expand, I've, I've, I've been able to really adapt and I'm still trying to learn how to really teach that class in a way that aligns with who I am and my personality while still teaching them what they need to know. But one of the girls, after she said, are we going to learn physical education stuff? And one of the girls was like, uh, she was like, well, I mean, what are the benefits of us doing these workouts every day? And I love that she asked that because we're going to get into that next week. But it goes along to what I was saying with even the college student who's asking, well, does that mean you're not going to be teaching us? So those type of things make me curious as a teacher. When at first I am in in resistance because I'm like, dang, I wish they would trust the process. Like, I know what I'm doing, but maybe it's showing me too. this generation and just all of us. Sometimes we need explanation. We need clarity. We want to be able to follow you. I mean, my generation, we was in school. We just took on what the teachers did. Like, it wasn't that, you know, if we had our resistance or grievances, we talked about it in the locker room with each other. Because that's where my dream of teaching at a university level, because I felt like a lot of my dance professors... In a way, I felt like they stopped learning beyond when they were in school. Um, And it was evident in the way that they presented certain things because they weren't relating to the students they were teaching to of a whole, like, three, three, four generations 
you know, removed from where they came from and when they were in school. And I don't take that as a hit, but it just makes me aware that, you know, each generation, each age group is different. And even though I think I'm young and I'm hip, you know, my middle schoolers, they were born in like 2010, 2009. Like, what? I was, like, you know what I'm saying? I, I was about to graduate. I was already going to college and I really sit back and think about the things that I'm thinking about now. That took time. That took me, as you as you heard me say, I didn't start being presented with the option to really do my own research until grad school. That was between the years of 2016 and 2018. I was in undergrad for five years and hadn't had that experience. So it makes me mindful that sometimes the things I can be in resistance to because I see it as the right way, those resistances that they have may be an opportunity for me to expand. And I don't want to miss those opportunities. And tonight was the first night I thought about it like that. Okay, what am I missing with a comment or a question like that? Is there something I can do better? And I haven't gotten the answer yet. But because I'm asking the questions, I believe spirit is going to lead me in the right direction. Because now I'm curious, is there something there that I'm missing? Is there something that I need to hear? I need to see? Is there something that I need to continue to research? Is there something I'm missing about this generation and how they need to learn? Is there something that I'm not seeing? You know what I'm saying? And I'm and I'm okay with asking those questions. But tonight was the first time I let myself slow down and I was like, Willie, stop defending. Because what you resist they'll continue to resist too have you ever had somebody try to talk you out of what you already believe rarely do you change your ideology when somebody is trying to argue with you it's not until they give you understanding first and they come on your side of the fence and don't try to persuade you and then try to present their idea in a non-persuasive way that it's like oh okay so I was like, yeah, I don't want to come along like I'm trying to persuade. I do want to understand, like, where is this coming from? And that's where I want to work from. But if it is giving me an opportunity to expand as an educator, to expand my research, to expand the way that I teach my pedagogy, to expand the way I think about things and I relate to the students of this generation, I'm open to that because I want to keep growing because I remember why I wanted to be a university teacher. And it was for that very reason, because I felt like it's easy when you're a professor, because that's so-called like the ideal position for teachers, which, you know, but people covet those positions. And I feel like it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to get comfortable and get comfortable and being the master. But then when extreme tragedy hit, like the pandemic, that's when you really see have you been still on that learning curve? And for me, I don't care what age I am, I don't never want to get caught in the year that I was doing my best. I want to always be doing my best. I want to always stay on my curve. Because to me, a master doesn't just stay a master at one thing. They continue to progress. They continue to progress. They continue to try to beat themselves. They continue to try to learn. When I think of masters and what they've done, I think about somebody like Beyonce. Can't know, regardless of if you like her music or not, I grew up on Beyonce, so I remember seeing her. You know, I remember when they were still performing at Six Flags in Houston. Like, you know, our, 
you know, so I've gotten to see their growth and I've gotten to see Beyonce specifically her growth and evolution and how she continues to top herself. It's like she's not in competition with nobody. She's always trying to do better than what she did. And I feel like to me, that's what keeps her on top of her game. And then the same for uh, Michael Jackson. If Michael Jackson would have continued to pursue the commercial success of Thriller, which was in the 80s, we would have never gotten Smooth Criminal. We would have never gotten Remember the Time. Later in his career, we would have never gotten Beautiful or uh, You Rock My World, that video with Chris Rock. That was later in his career. Like he continued to evolve even when he had these prime moments where he could have stayed stuck and continuing to try to create that. But he stayed on top of his game. And that's why generations who weren't even living while he was, you know, living at any time of his life know who he is. He wasn't in resistance to continuing to be on a pivot and continuing to change because I'm pretty sure the people who was working for him definitely probably wanted him to stay the same definitely probably wanted him to like recreate that try to do this again because they thinking what you got better than this (laughs) so he had to believe in himself he had to believe in his team the people around him who were pushing him if he was in that box of fearful of trying to recreate that because sometimes you need people to tell you hey it's okay to shift but sometimes i feel like our environment or the things people say or critiques And feedback, regardless of how it's received, can keep us on a pivot as well. Like for me, I'm very in tune with my environment. Like if you listen to any other podcast episodes, I told y'all about my student last year saying that I was always late. And I heard he wasn't even talking. She wasn't talking to me. I just heard them down the hallway. But he didn't know I could hear them. And one of the students was like, hey, there go Miss Green. And he was like, she's always late, but I'm glad she's here. And then he just kept saying, late, 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 like an alarm. And I was already struggling like, dang, I wish I was more on time. But that was my wake up call. Like, Whitley, you don't want this to be a part of your character. You need to start getting to work early. And now I committed to that. And now, even this morning, because I told you, I celebrate the small things when I'm being intentional about something. One of the teachers who's also always early, she was like, were you, because I overslept this morning. I wasn't feeling well last night, so I went to sleep like at nine. That's why y'all didn't get an episode yesterday. I wasn't feeling well yesterday, and I woke up this morning, and my alarm went off, and I turned it off, but I didn't have a second alarm on, because usually I get up. I've trained myself to get up on my first alarm, and so I woke up like at 6.30, and usually I'm leaving the house before then. You know, I'm using the house like at 6, 6.15 at the latest, and I'm waking up at 6.30. So, like, I had to hurry up and get ready. And when I got to work, I was still early. I was still like 20 minutes early before we had to be there. But I like to be there earlier than that to have some more me time. And the teacher who's always early, too, because I always see her coming up, she was like, was you stuck in that accident this morning? I was like, no. I just woke up late. She was like, oh, okay, because I know you always here early. And that just made me smile because, again, it's noticed. Something that I'm being intentional about is noticed. But the point I'm making is that I allow my environment to give me those wake-up calls. I allow my environment to say, hey, like, this is an area you can probably expand on. 
I look at my health to be like, okay, what's what's going on here? What am I not, you know, what have I not been paying attention to? What's the feedback I'm getting from my relationships or how I'm interacting with people? And again, it's not taking everything to heart because sometimes people going to be people. People going to say what they want. Everybody not going to like you. So it's not a, a, an activity to look at everything as super serious, but just look at it with eyes of curiosity rather than eyes of resistance. Because many of us, when we get feedback or, you know, we don't like something new that's happening or how stuff is changing at work, we're in resistance to a new way. And that keeps us stuck sometimes. That keeps us complaining. That keeps us not learning. Or we're in resistance if we have been excellent in the past. And now we're at a position where we feel like, I don't know, we just kind of stop learning. We stop cultivating our skills. We stop growing. We stop going to the conferences, not just as a presenter, but as a student as well. We stop being a student of our craft. We stop being a student of life. We stop being a student of areas that we think we've mastered. And I tell myself all the time, I always want to be in practice of what I'm trying to get better at. Always, because there are things that are always changing. People are always evolving. Systems are always evolving. Things are always evolving. Businesses that have stayed the, the, the course of time for generations and generations, they stayed on that learning curve. So even when something unexpected happened, they knew how to pivot quickly and or they got people on their team who knows how to pivot. Like, I think it's so funny when I see um, a lot of businesses or things on social media and I'm like, they got young people on their social media and I love it. Like you when that whole chicken sandwich thing with Popeye's and Chick-fil-A was happening I love that because (laughs) I love that because they were playing off of this battle people were having and they was like okay they started using that to boost their their demographic they started using that to boost their morale like here you'll be able to get this rather than going to Chick-fil-a and I thought that was dope because they didn't have to recreate the wheel. They just played off what the environment wanted to see. And now people want to just go to their businesses. And this person probably in Hong Kong from the corporate office tweeted this. But now they want to go to the K- the Chick-fil-A in their neighborhood because of this tweet they didn't saw online. Now they want to go chase this Popeye's sandwich. And they ain't ate Popeye's in years. You know, I saw... Um, like Wendy's they got somebody on their social media and they and they be like taking slugs and they're using the language that they see young people using now on social media and I think that's very beneficial that companies stay on that curve stay on that curve of not just appealing to what's popular you always want to appeal to your audience but you always want to broaden your audience if you grew up like me seeing Mari and Jerry Springer, now I didn't know that Jerry Springer became a judge. I'm like, what did that happen? But if you look at their social media right now, I'm like, they got young people <laughs> on their team. Like now they making little TikToks, like super funny. And some of them were on the shade room. And I'm like, wow, like I love that they continue to be able to pivot because 
staying relevant is not just appealing to who's popular because you have to know your audience, but you have to understand too how people are evolving if you want to stay on top of your game. If the book industry, you know, wasn't paying attention to how people are consuming new information, they would have made the Nook or the Kindle or digital books. If people didn't start adapting to how people, you know, like to listen to books, they wouldn't have made audiobooks. Now that's a whole app. Now that's a whole business. Now Amazon, Amazon got everything. You know, even Amazon and, and delivery services. Amazon got on a pivot quick with people want their stuff delivered and they want to be able to order everything from this one website if they can't search it from anybody else. So staying on the learning curve in whatever your craft is, but even just in life, whether you're trying to learn about how to be better in relationships, whether you're trying to learn how to really develop your personal craft, whether you're trying to learn, you know, things where you can heal, those are things that always should be in in constant practice, not something that when you get the immediate results that you want, you stop learning. And because I be praying, I hope I never do that. Even me being at a university and being in the positions that I'm in, like, it'll be easy for me to just sit back and be like, well, I'm in this position, you know, I'm I'm the master here. And I don't think I am. Now, do I take what I do seriously? Yes. Do I do I plan? Do I do constant research? Yes. But I got areas where I can still grow in. And one of them is being more aware of the actual students that I'm teaching. And I think I'm very happy that I've had this awareness and I'm willing to admit that to myself right now before it's too late. And people like leaving me spot reviews like don't take her class because she don't know how to teach. And it's really that I don't know how to teach. It's like I don't know how to teach them. You know, I'm not because if I'm not getting through to my students, then is my teaching really effective? Even if I'm in love with my content, is my teaching really effective if they don't walk away and have gotten anything? How many of you have had teachers that were passionate about their their content area, but you feel like the way they presented the information or the way the class was taught, like it was ineffective for you? Or you can't really remember what you learned because that's not what they emphasized. So that's all I have for y'all today. Um, If this conversation was for you, it was for you. Um, My encouragement is that whatever you're in resistance to, whether it's you're in resistance to your need for your own healing, you're in resistance to God has called you to a, a long season and you keep hopping from relationship to relationship, whether you are being called to think higher about yourself and you just want to keep on the same level, whether you're in resistance to, you know, the type of money you can make, but you keep, you know, wanting to stay on a level that you're on, you can be in resistance in many different areas. I'm just using my experience as an entry point to how you can look into your own life. So I don't need advice on what I need to do. (laughs) You know, God has already given me my lesson. But these conversations are more so for you to reflect on your own experience. Because we all deal with resistance. We all want change, but we all sometimes, our first response sometimes is going to be in resistance. 
is going to be in resistance to what's new, what's what we wasn't up to game on, what we didn't know, like what we wasn't aware to, what we not used to. We're going to be in resistance to it at first. But when we train ourselves to see that resistance and to pull it close and to get curious about it, I think that's where the growth really happens. I think that's where we can really find our sweet spot and then we can continue to propel and move forward. So I love y'all so much. If you want to reach out to me, my website is WhitleyNGreen.com. My website is all also there. Um, and my contact information, Arts Feminine on Twitter, The Feminine Arts Academy on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Wondering Whitley on Facebook and Instagram. And Wit With Hooray is my personal page on Instagram. I love y'all so much. And remember, get in alignment and receive your assignment. Talk to you soon.